bought me in Canada. It's Jesus is a goalie. It's a Jesus saves. I think it's a pretty cool shirt. It has a dual meaning. So it kind of harkens me back to remember when the Los Angeles Kings, the hockey, uh, were in the Stanley Finals, uh, Stanley Cup Finals, and uh, Rudy, Anybody remember this? When Rudy was just saving goal after goal after goal, and the announcer was like, Rudy saves, Rudy saves. Never mind. I like my shirt. You don't have to like it, but I like it. Uh, we are uh, going to be coming to the table today, uh, uh, communion table, and just really remembering what, what Jesus did for us. And I've been kind of letting that marinate in my brain this week and thinking about it, and it kind of led me to a memory uh, back when I was in the first grade. Now, when I was in the first grade, uh, there was a thing called Sunday school. You know in what I speak. Little, little yeah, flannel graph Jesus and uh, all that, you know. And uh, I didn't really ever like going to Sunday school. I mean, think part of it in, you know, just the name, Sunday weekend and school together just never seemed like a good idea to me. But my parents, when I was little, would, would, would force me to go to this Sunday school. And one particular uh, Sunday in Sunday school, the Sunday school teacher was telling us all about heaven. And she was telling us, um, you know, all the cool things about heaven. And uh, I think she had the brochure or something. She was telling us about the gates, right? And they're pearly. You guys know that? And the roads are paved with, yeah, yeah. And she's, so she's going, she's doing a, a bang-up job, as far as I can remember, my, my first grade mind, just really describing this place called heaven. And then at the end of the class, she, she asked us, her, her students, her Sunday school students, that, you know, hey, does anybody have any question? And, and uh, uh this one kid, you know, Anthony, raises his hand, and she's like, yes, Anthony. I don't know if his name was really Anthony, but for the purpose of this story, let's call him Anthony. Anthony, and he's all like, yes, Miss Sunday School's teacher, uh, will there be motorcycles in heaven? Because she didn't cover that. It's an excellent question, and she said, no, Anthony, I do not believe there will be any motorcycles in heaven. And then Anthony responds to that, well, then I do not want to go. <laughs> Which I think the rest of all the little boys in class were saying like, yeah, you know, why would we want to go to a place that has no motorcycles? And I was really thinking about that interaction, and I and the way that she presented heaven, and I think a lot of times, at least in my memory, how heaven has always been presented to me. Heaven has always been presented as, as this, this place that you go. And that, that in order to get there, you, you need to go through this person named Jesus, this kind of gatekeeper Jesus. It's pretty much how I've always been 
presented, you know, how, you get, how do you get to heaven? You get to heaven through Jesus. And I really started really thinking about that because if you've been at E3 for any length of time, uh, in my mind, everything God does is relational. It's either to establish a relationship with us, reestablish a relationship with us, to, to grow our relationship with us, and things like that. So this idea of, of a place void of relationship gave me what I would say a holy discontentment. So when I have these kind of holy discontentments, what I usually do is I dive into Scripture and first scripture that I went to is, is really the, the, the sole verse that, that kind of perpetuates this idea of Jesus the gatekeeper. And it's found in John chapter 14. And basically in the context of what's going on here is Jesus is, is ending his earthly ministry. And he's preparing his disciples for his departure. So he's trying to breathe hope and life into them. And he starts out, he says, look, don't let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God and also trust in me. Check out this next verse. There is more than enough room in my father's home. If this were not so, would I have told you I was going to prepare a place for you? So, Right off the bat, we have Jesus telling his disciples, look, I don't want you guys to fret. I do not want you to be worried. I'm going to this place, and I'm going to prepare a place for you. But don't worry. There is more than enough room for everybody. There's more than enough room. So right off the bat, we have this idea of, you know, in our lives, you know, when we're preparing for guests and we want them to feel comfortable and, and, and we want to, to invite them in to something that's important for us. I mean, this is more of the, the setting that we have. So in verse 3, he says, when everything is ready, I will come and get you. When everything is ready, when everything is just right, I'm going to come and get you. And the next part of this sentence, I think, is critical so that you will always be with me where I am. And in my mind, I automatically or, or all of a sudden say, wait a second, there's a connection here. That, that there's a place being made that is large enough for the people that Jesus came for to share his love with, to reconnect with, to build a relationship with, that, that there is more than enough room and that, that he's doing this so that they can always be together. And then he goes on, he says, and you know the way to where I am going. And then Thomas is all like, uh, no, we don't, Lord. In fact, we have no idea where you're going. So how can we know the way? I mean, that's a perfectly legit. You know, Jesus is like, I'm going to prepare a place for you, you know dude, you know, hit us with some Google Maps or something like that so we know how to get there. And they're like, we have no idea, you know, Jesus, what you're talking about. And Jesus told him this. This is, this is the verse. This is the verse that I think has kind of moved us away from kind of the, the beautiful, like, moment of relationship and has transformed it into something else. 
Jesus told him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father except through me. And people have taken that one verse out and stopped right there. Now, let me tell you, whenever you stop in the middle of an idea with any type of writing, that there's going to be issues because it's linear. And people have stopped right here and said, aha, Jesus is like a travel agent. Jesus is a travel agent. I mean, essentially, I am the truth and life, and no one can come to the Father except through me. And, and it's suddenly like people have made this leap here going, okay, if I want to go to the place with the pearly gates and the, and the, the golden roads, that there's this guy, this mean guy, you know, this cranky old, you know, travel agent who is deciding if they're going to give me a ticket or not. I mean, it's almost like, you know, it's been presented this way. Travel agent Jesus makes his website. You ever been on Expedia? And you go on Expedia, and you go on Expedia, and like all the different hotels, you know, they, they put pictures of their hotels and like the cool stuff about their hotels and things like that, and, and why you should come stay at their hotel. It's like Jesus makes this like travel site, and he's, and, and he's like, okay, you know, come to JesusExpedia.com and look at heaven. Here's a picture. Here's a picture of the pearly gate. That's really cool. And the, and the, and the uh, golden, golden road, and that's great. And, and uh, you know, you're like, okay, this sounds really cool. But before you, like, buy the ticket, right, from Travel Agent Jesus, you, like, read the reviews, and you're reading down, and you're like, Oh, this guy gave it like one star. There's no motorcycles. I mean, what's up with that? You know, you're going, you're like, you know, it's all this feature benefit of this place. And you're like, oh, what's this place? H-E double hockey sticks, one star, no good, hot, you know, bad service. You know, what, whatever. I mean, it's kind of this idea that when you take the relational aspect of it, I mean, this is a guy who, who, who is in love with the people that he's spent his earthly life with, and he's poured into them, and he's telling them about this beautiful place where, where he's going to prepare for them to come. And for some reason, I, around the 19th and 20th century, you know, that, that really kind of came into Jesus the travel agent, you have to, you know, either say the sinner's prayer. You've ever heard the sinner's prayer? Yeah, the, you know, the sinner's prayer, so you make sure if you're hit by a bus tonight, you, get, you have your ticket to heaven. Or this, this uh, you know, or have you ever heard like fire insurance, right? I mean, the, when you start to take the gospel out of the person of Jesus, you start coming up with all sorts of funky theology and funky ideas, but the reality is when you come back to it, that everything that God is about is about relationship. God in himself is relationship. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Everything that he's done, he came to us, and this is what we're celebrating tonight, and remembering that, that God came to us. Why? Because he wanted to give us an opportunity to reestablish a relationship with him. So when you take this sentence out that I am the truth and the life, no one comes to the Father by me, and you, you make it void of anything relational. It becomes this kind of negative, ugly statement. 
And this is the one statement that people who are not followers of Christ love to pull out and go, do you believe that if I do not believe in Jesus, or if I don't say the sinner's prayer, that, that I do not get to go to heaven? That very question exists because people have removed the person of Jesus from heaven. They have made him a travel agent. And I'm here tonight to tell you that Jesus is not a travel agent. Jesus is the destination. And this is how I know this. Continue on in verse 7. If you had really known me, you would know who my father is. From now on, you don't know him, or excuse me, you do know him and have seen him. Philip said, Lord, show us the Father and we will be satisfied. And Jesus replied, have I been with you all this time, Philip, and you still don't know who I am? And then this next part is critical. Anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. So why are you asking me to show him to you? Flat out, he's just like, look, if you've seen me, you've seen God. That's what Jesus is saying. I am the physical manifestation of God here on earth. Don't you believe that I am the Father and the Father is in me? The words I speak are not my own, but my Father's who live in me does this work through me. Just believe that I am the Father and the Father is in me. So here you have this, this idea that, that, you know what, that Jesus is this, this manifestation of God. And when people say, you know what? Do you believe if, if I, you know, that only people who believe in Jesus go to heaven? The question doesn't make any sense biblically because our understanding, the biblical understanding of heaven is Jesus. It would be like saying, Mark, are you saying in order for me to have a relationship with you that I actually have to have a relationship with you? That's the question. Uh, let's see. Let me. If you want to be my friend, do you actually have to be seen in public with me and talk to me and hang out with me? Yeah, I think that's pretty much it. It's not a negative thing. It's not an exclusionary thing. Jesus, right at the beginning of this passage, is saying, man, I got all these rooms. Everybody's welcome to the party. But it's not about the place. It's about me. And this is why I can say that. If you turn to Revelation chapter 21, in verse 1, this is John talking about his, his vision of, of, of really heaven, of paradise, of the future. And it's so beautiful. In fact, uh, Pastor Dan Durenberg and I were talking about this this week. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the old heaven and the old earth had disappeared. And the sea was also gone. See, if this was a destination, that would be a negative for me. And I saw the Holy Spirit, or excuse me, the Holy City, the New Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven like a bride beautifully dressed for her husband. I heard loud shouts from the throne saying, look, listen to this, look, God's home is now among his people. He will live with them, and they will be his people. God himself will be with him, them. 
He will wipe every tear from their eye, and there, there will no longer be death or sorrow or crying or pain. All of these things are gone forever. The most beautiful thing about heaven is not the pearly gates, and it is not the golden roads. It is that you get to be in the unbuffered presence of a living God who loved you so much that he left the perfect relationship of the Trinity in order to pay the sacrifice for our transgressions and our pains and our mess-ups and our brokenness so that we could live in the holy city one day with God. You see how it's been all turned upside on its head to, I'm good, I get to heaven, or I got the Jesus ticket, and you don't, so you're going to hell. It's like, no. Jesus is saying, look, I came for all, I died for all. And there's plenty of room for everyone. And I want to spend eternity with you. Does that mean to spend eternity with Jesus, you have to spend eternity with Jesus? Yes. I'm sorry. That's just the way it is. I'll even go this far. If you do not like Jesus here on earth, you're not going to like God. Jesus says, look, my words are not my words. They're God's words. You don't like my words, you don't like God's words. You don't like me, you don't like God. And people are, well, is there any other way to get to heaven except through Jesus? If there was, you would not want to be there. Because that is where Jesus is. It's like, if you don't like me, I can't blame you, but if you don't like me, and you're like, is there any way to get to your house, Mark, and I can live there without you giving me the directions? Because I can't stand you. Well, yeah, maybe, but that's where I live, so you're going to be spending a heck of a lot of time with me. Oh, I didn't think about that. Because I have a nice house, but i got to tell you, my house is nothing without my loved ones. And if my marriage wasn't right, and if my kids weren't, <laughs> I don't, I'm just not going to say anything there. If it's not right at home, it's not... Home is not at home. It's, it's shelter, right? And I often talk with my family and say, you know what? If I had the option to, to, you know, live, whatever, Golden Eagle and live on the golf course and, and all this by myself, or if I could live in a shack with you guys, I mean, it would be a shack in a heartbeat. Because it's not about the gates and it's not about the roads it is about the person of Jesus Christ. And before we go to the table, I just want to touch on, I, I want you to really understand as best as we can this side of heaven. And I want to just talk about Romans chapter 8, verse 23 really quick, where Paul is talking about just kind of the future, and he says this, And we believers also groan, even though we have the Holy Spirit within us as a foretaste of future glory. For we long for our bodies to be released from sin and suffering. We too wait 
with eager hope for the day when God will give us our full rights as his adopted children, including the new bodies he promised us. What's Paul talking about here? He's talking about this, this, this future glory where we no longer, because of our brokenness, because of our worldviews, because of, of you know, our, our, our past mistakes, we can't we can't have this this relationship that God had envisioned for us, and someday we're going to be there. But the beautiful thing is that those of us who are followers of Christ, that that Christ sent a counselor, the Holy Spirit, to indwell in us. And I want to touch on a spiritual moment here, and hopefully you've all experienced this. But think about a time where you just felt. God's presence. Like a, a time there was like not a shadow of a doubt that God was with you. Just like we're here right now, that was the reality. And not only was he there, but you really felt his love, unconditional love and acceptance. A time where, where it felt like, you know what, I just feel like I'm enveloped. In this loving God. As awesome as that was, that is only a foretaste, a sliver, a shadow of what it will be like once we are restored and in His presence. So, will there be motorcycles in heaven? Doesn't matter. Because if Christ isn't there, it's not heaven, it's hell. Heaven is being in the presence of God. And as the band's coming back up and, and we prepare for the table, in those final moments while Jesus was with his beloved friends, and as they were eating, Jesus took some bread and blessed it, then he broke it in pieces and gave it to the disciples, saying, Take this and eat it, for this is my body. And then he took a cup of wine and thanked God for it. And he gave it to them and said, Each of you drink from it, for this is my blood, which confirms the covenant between God and his people. It is poured out as a sacrifice to forgive the sins of many. And then he goes on to say, Mark my words. And just... In the process of, of just kind of what I've been uh, just thinking about this week in a relational God, I want to I bring something out that was just so cool to me, and hopefully it's cool to you. This next sentence, I never really kind of caught it before, but this is what Jesus says. This is like some of his final words to the disciples before he's taken prisoner. I will not drink wine again until the day I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. And I don't know if, if that hits you like it hit me, but here Jesus is saying, you know what, when you guys come together, I want you to come to the table, and I want you to drink of the wine, and I want you to break of the bread to remember the sacrifice that I made so you can have the opportunity that you can come to this place where we for eternity can be together, but you know what I'm going to do? 
until that day, I am going to sweat and I'm going to toil and I am going to get things prepared and I am going to limit myself as a reminder that and not drink of this wine until we are together. In that one day when we're all together, we'll, we'll bust open, you know, the Manischewitz or whatever. <laughs> Hopefully it's better than that. And we're going to drink it together. And I just thought, isn't that cool? And how awesome is our God that he loves us that much that not only did he give himself a reminder, but he gave himself a reminder and something to look forward to as well. You guys pray with me. Dear God, I thank you for the reminder of the table reminder of, of drinking um, from the cup in remembrance of your blood being spilled and shed to cover our sins and your body being broken for our brokenness. And the reason that you did it was just to give us the opportunity to be able to reestablish our relationship with you. Not so we can go to some Disney World Plus place in the sky. But that we can be with you and sup with you. That we can have that first drink with you and be able to experience that moment that all eternity has been waiting for. And God, that is what we are looking forward to. We love you, Lord, in Jesus' name.